need a new drug right now, do they, RJ? They're playing pretty well. No, uh, it's really difficult to be upset with the way things went last week. Um, certainly you're not guaranteed to, to win every game, let alone to win 40 to nothing. And so um, times are good. Uh, you know, every uh, food tastes better. Uh, hopefully the sun <laughs> doesn't shine brighter. Uh, we're looking to get away from that thing. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, life is good for the 1-0 Dallas Cowboys. Do you have all your Monday polos pressed and ready to go? I do, yeah. Um, you know, it's a, a really fun thing I do um, that my dad and I would do just kind of together when I was growing up, uh, you know, and I would go to school or he would go to work. I mean, it was just kind of our thing. And so um, it's really cool and, and means a lot to me that a lot of people tend to like it. R.J. Ochoa with us here on the Press Box on ESPN Central Texas. And looking at this defense, R.J., you and I talked during the summer, during training camp, and really had high hopes for this defense. Did you expect it to look as good as it looked on game number one? You know, um, I mean, you have high hopes, um, obviously, and, and you have belief, and, um, and, and you try to talk yourself out of, you know, being a homer or, or having kind of, you know, clouded vision. Uh, I, I, I don't know anyone that could have rationally predicted that. And um, that will probably be, you know, the exception. I think that they will be very good, but um, that's, that's where, you know, things like that, you know, something like that can, can really cloud people's judgment and, and really change expectations in a bad way. And so if, you know, at the end of the first quarter this week, the Cowboys are losing three to nothing, you know, it incites pandemonium because you elevate your expectations. And so, um, I, I think this is definitely, you know, a group that can very easily challenge to be the best defense in the NFL. But um, what they did on Sunday night, I mean, it was historic. I mean, it, it truly was. It was historic in a number of different ways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they do that every week, um, you know, by all means, let's start building some statues. Micah Parsons, best player on the field Sunday night, maybe the best player in the NFL this entire week one. Is that – a little bit of a surprise, any surprise or no surprise at all for you? You know, I keep waiting and, and not in a pessimistic way, but just in a, you know, in a life way uh, for Micah to regress for, you know, for Micah to not be Superman every single week. And, you know, there, there has to be a moment, right? Like, I mean, even, even Superman himself was Clark Kent for like half the time. Um, and so, you know, you would think like no preseason work. I mean, no nothing. I know that that, you know, is something that you're really passionate about, that mm -hmm. there would be some kind of rust to knock off and or that teams would have gotten somewhat better at defending him. And so that that is maybe the most impressive thing to me is that this dude can just turn it on. Um, he really does. P people compare people to, to him too often. Um, in, the, in this one way, he reminds me of Michael Jordan in that, you know, you, you wondered, like, when does MJ sleep? I mean, because he plays the way he does. He golfs. He plays cards. He's always here. He's always there. Like, when does this dude get rest? And that's that's kind of how Micah is. I just, you know, he, he does now a podcast or a show with Bleacher Report. He's always tweeting. He's streaming Madden. I mean, like, I wonder, like, you know, when, when is this dude, you know, catching some Zs? He is, um, he is the exception to all rules. When you look at him, and, and I know the comparison you just made, but – he does make everybody around him better, kind of like Jordan did, doesn't he? You know, I mean, in that sense, that might be the most fair way to kind of um, draw the comparison between them. I mean, Sunday night is a really great example of it. Uh, you know, Micah is only credited with one sack, obviously, and 
in what the Cowboys did. But overall, I mean, the Cowboys had, you know, eight defenders who generated multiple pressures. And in the first half alone, Micah had four pressures and a sack off of just 18 pass rushes. And of those 18 pass rushes that Micah had, nine of them, half of them, uh, you know, were him being double teamed. And all four of the sacks that the Cowboys had in that first half were when he was being double teamed. I mean, he just, you know, in that sense, draws men, right? I mean, he's, he's winning the numbers battle and therefore opening the door for somebody else. Um, he is one of the most impactful people that has ever played for the Dallas Cowboys. I know how crazy that sounds, given that it's only his third season, but, but what he has done relative to the short amount of time he's been doing it in is just absolutely incredible. Were you surprised at all with how Mike McCarthy used Convante Turpin, the uh, former TCU standout and former USFL MVP with the return game? You, you knew what he can do in the return game, but a lot of people have been pounding the table, hey, get this guy involved in the offense. He does, and he gets in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, you know, I spent a week out in Oxnard. I know we talked in, and, and, you know, I saw them utilize Cavante before, but I've seen the Cowboys do a lot of things in Oxnard, right, that, that ultimately don't translate and it's training camp or whatever. And so I was very happy or happily surprised and happily, you know, proven wrong. I thought that that was just kind of some eye candy the Cowboys threw out, and I'm really happy to see that. I'm really happy to see the Cowboys understand, look, we have a lot of explosive playmakers. Let's use them. And I wouldn't be shocked, obviously, or honestly, if this week Kevontae Turpin didn't touch the ball one time. I mean, because you can't, you know, that's where this team, they've been so good for so many different years, but they've just relied on on the same dudes being great week in and week out. It seems like they finally understand, let's have a deep bench, let's roll through. One week can be Kevontae Turpin, the next week can be Deuce Vaughn, the next week can be Tony Parr, the next week can be C.D. Lamb. I mean, it's about winning every single week and, and not about inflating one player's stats or whatever the case may be. How good was Tony Pollard in your mind? I think he was really good. Um, you know, he didn't have like a, you know, a big time explosive play or anything like that. I mean, he had 14 carries for 70 yards and two touchdowns. And so it's hard to be upset with that, you know? Um, so uh, I don't know that, um, you know, anybody's disappointed in Tony Pollard, but it was, it was just such a weird week. And this is a good problem to have to, to contextualize the offense because they were never, you know, forced to score. There was never any real pressure on them. And so it's hard to draw any real conclusions about what happened. But I think that Tony Pollard, for his first action since fracturing his fibula, looked really good. When you look at Dak and what he was able to do, pretty comfortable because the defense helped him be comfortable. Is that the recipe that this team needs for Dak to be successful? You know, I, I think that, you know, when you say the or when you ask the question, the answer is obviously yes. Um, but what's exciting about Dak Prescott and, and really what's exciting about this team, and I know that Dak has his detractors that will roll their eyes about this, is we, we know that Dak can win a game by himself. We know that Dak can win a game when the defense isn't putting up a historic kind of night. We know that Dak Prescott can be the quarterback of the number one offense in the NFL. We've seen that multiple years in recent history. And so I don't know that I think it's the formula, but I think what's you know, so cool about this team is, is they're like a chameleon in that sense. They can adapt to what's necessary. And I thought on Sunday night, the Cowboys 
you know, very unlike the Buffalo Bills who played in that same building one day later, they didn't try to do too much. They understood, hey, look, this defense is, is rocking and rolling. We've just got to put this thing on ice. Like, we don't need to be on the dance floor right now. We'll sit here, foot up against the wall. We'll hang out. We'll hold our drink. We'll make our jokes. We'll, we'll dance with the ants when the uncles are, are busy outside catching up <laughs> with one another. We, we, we don't have to be the stars of the show, but sometime this season there will be a point where they do have to be, and I certainly trust that they're capable of pulling that off. When you look back at Sunday night's game, the the one thing that stood out that you thought, and it's hard to find in a forty to nothing win. It's hard to find. You don't. You just don't win NFL games like that. But was the the one factor you looked at and go, yeah, we might need a little help at tight end, or they need to grow up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If you're going to hand out a demerit, it's it's probably to them. And, you know, Tony Pollard had two the two touchdowns he mentioned, and they were both, you know, near the goal line. And, and you can make an argument that those could have very well been, you know, Dak Prescott passing touchdowns, but if not for the tight ends kind of having a case of the drops. And so, um, I, I mean, it looked really promising early on. Um, you know, it looks like Jake Ferguson was going to kind of live up to the hype. It looked like Peyton Hendershot was going to do his thing. And then, you know, look, you – what what a what a shame, you know, only fifty of fifty three dudes played a perfect game. Um and so I'm I'm willing to give them time, especially when you look at the success of the rest of the team. I mean, they clearly kinda know what they're doing and, and the Cowboys believe in this group and so um we'll see. You know, there there will be a game where the tight ends kind of pop and show off and um I'm I'm gonna be willing to trust that they'll grow and develop over the course of the regular season and how it moves along. Don't they have to at this Texas Coast offense though for them to be successful going forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Zebra Technology does a great job of measuring all sorts of data. And I got an email this morning that confirmed that Dak Prescott had the lowest average time to throw this past week in the NFL, which means he got the ball out faster than anybody else. Um, and so to do that, you know, if you're getting the ball out quickly, you're you're not even at 40 yards downfield. So you're going to have to have these underneath players be successful. And, and that is a, a, a strong and, and kind of old school cornerstone principle of the West Coast offense is that these tight ends and all these underneath options need to be reliable. And so, yeah, I mean, if they don't come along, you know, in the next couple of weeks, then, then maybe you start to have some conversations, you start to have some discussions. But I think panicking over one week because they weren't as perfect as everybody else would be just a little bit dramatic. RJ, we've talked multiple times about the Cowboys kicking game. And I was worried about it. Some other people were. You, not as much as I was. And after the first extra point, which I think was nerves. I mean, the guy, you know, didn't even kick in college. He's a soccer player, kicked in the USFL. But after that, everything was right down the middle. I was very impressed by Brandon Aubrey. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, my, my Twitter mentions were not kind after the first extra point. Because <laughs> the I figured I they'd blow you up. Displayed. I waited. Uh, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm appreciative, you know, that we're all willing to call them nerves. And, and obviously the conditions, you know, were a little bit wet and sloppy. And um, that field has also come under fire, you know, given the events of the day after. But um, the fact that he rebounded so well and so strongly at, at such a high volume was really impressive. And, and I think, you know, also I do a stock report after every Cowboys game. And I had him as a stock up. Again, I know he missed an extra point and that's a tough scene, but Overall, I mean, to bounce back from that and to be so perfect, to make both field goals, I mean, um, I'm, I'm certainly willing to continue to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm very interested to see how things go this Sunday, obviously, indoors. Granted, it is a 3 o'clock kick, 
so the glare uh, will be a, a factor there at AT&T Stadium. But at least there won't be any conditions that are impacting him. Well, and also you have to look at the situation that he was thrown in. I mean, he's in his first NFL game. He's at MetLife Stadium. He's probably looking around going, wow, what am I what am I doing here? This is awesome. And all of a sudden a pick six and he gets rolled out there for a PAT. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not sure how familiar you all are with his story, but I mean, you mentioned he didn't kick in college. It really was a matter of, you know, obviously struggling as a soccer player. Um, and his wife, you know, they had football and was like, you can do that. I mean, like how many, t- like how many people in the world have had that actually happen? Right. Where like someone's like, Oh, you could totally play in the NFL. And then, you know, <laughs> fast forward some time and they're actually doing it. And so um, you're right. I, I, I wouldn't put it past Brandon Aubrey in a totally understandable way for there to have been some butterflies. Um, and, you know, that first extra point was also this kind of crazy rush of adrenaline for everybody with the mm-hmm. one Thomas Fox field goal that Noah Ibnogany returned. So, yeah, everybody gets a mulligan off the first tee. I thought that those are the rules of golf. With the injury report coming and Brandon Cooks reportedly dealing with the sprained MCL, how bad is that and, and what does that do to this offense? Yeah, as we've been talking, the Dallas Morning News reported it's a grade one. Um, so, you know, no no need to, you know, run around and scream like our heads are falling off. Um, but, you know, this is life. And, again, you know, you're not going to, you know, winning 40 to nothing is also proof, as you mentioned, that, like, everything is going well. Um, there will be some dramatic moments. There will be some stress. There will be some stumbling points. Um, it is a very, very, very long NFL season, and there will be injuries that pop up, and you'll have to deal with them, and you'll have to survive, and you'll have to adapt and to adjust. And so it's possible that Brandon Cooks plays this week. And while I don't want to overlook the New York Jets at all, I mean, the Cowboys are nine-and-a-half-point favorites for a reason. And so you have to wonder if, you know, I wouldn't call it arrogance, but but if there is some kind of measured confidence with saying, let's put Brandon Cooks on ice, um, let's trust Jalen Tolbert to kind of get some extra snaps this week because he did have such a great training camp, and, and let's play the long game. I thought that's how the Cowboys approached things last week with Tyler Smith, and it worked out for them. How much does it change going against the Jets now that the Cowboy killer Aaron Rodgers is not going to be behind center for the Jets? I mean, it's it's a totally different thing. I mean, you know, on paper you go – from facing Goliath to facing David, but, but David can win, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing that you always kind of have to keep in mind. Uh, David did win. And so um, you can, you can feel all the confidence in the world, but um, it does feel, you know, the, the juice is gone. I mean, look, I, every Cowboys fan, you know, can't stand Aaron Rodgers, you know, because he's tormented this team forever, but it was such a bummer. And I think, you know, everybody feels for him and feels for Jets fans and, um, you know, interacting with some Jets fans this week in the lead up to the game, so many of them uh, planned trips for this game. I mean, because how could you not? I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's just a really unfortunate situation. And I think you have to, if you're the Cowboys, you have to keep your head down. You have to keep tunnel vision. You can't allow yourself to take the cheese and smell yourself because of what happened last week and the injury. I mean, you won, and that's cool, but so did they. Like, your one win counts just as much as theirs, and despite all of the drama and, you know, difficulties that they went through on Monday night. So you, you have to keep stacking these up. This is a game you're supposed to win. You have to win those because there's going to be some games you're supposed to lose that you're probably going to drop along the way. Well, and there's something to be said about the way that they were able to win that game against the Bills. I mean, you know, they, they just stayed within themselves and fought through what could have been devastated? They could have they could have rolled it up, four snaps into that ball game, and said, "We're done." I don't want to take anything away from what the Jets said on Monday night because you're right; it was impressive. But you know, 
I don't know how well aware you all are that Cowboys fans kind of hate Josh Allen. And it really has nothing to do with Josh as mm-hmm. much as it does kind of the national media because, you know, Cowboys fans are upset that he doesn't get the same heat or criticism that Dak Prescott does. And so um, while the Jets defense is incredible, and again, they should be given full credit for the win, Josh Allen let them back in that game. I mean, you know, and that's really the difference here is that if Dak Prescott, you know, in the offense can play a clean game and and not just continually – not just leave the door open, but but beg the Jets to come in and raid their house. I mean, you should cruise to victory, and that would have happened. I mean, if, if the Bills had just stayed out of their own way, um, you know, I think that the Jets are probably, you know, their, their tail is even more tucked between their legs with everything and an 0-1-1 record to boot. So it really is about not trying to do too much, not trying to be a hero. And case in point example of how it can go wrong for you happen on Monday night with the Bills and Josh Allen. What does Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott have to do with this offense to – be able to make the adjustments against the Jets coming in? You know, the lowest hanging fruit is the sweetest for a reason. I mean, you know, and, and that's really what you've got to do. And, and you you know, nobody needs CeeDee Lamb to get 100 yards and a touchdown. Nobody needs, you know, Jalen Tolbert to shine if he plays in place of Brandon Cooks. You just got to score more points than them. That's really what this is about. And so they're going to win. You have to understand they're going to get home. They're going to have a couple of sacks. They're inordinately talented. And you have to accept that going in. You just have to understand that you have to take your moments when they come and you don't have to push. You don't have to press. This is an offense that is going to struggle. Again, that's just the truth of it all at this point. So you do not have to give them more opportunities. Just trust the overall machine. I I wouldn't say put it in cruise control. This isn't a Tesla or anything where you can kick your feet up, but you know, keep your foot on the gas and and you're on the open highway. Listen to a playlist you like and and just kind of hope to get to your destination. RJ, I have Tony Pollard on quite a few fantasy teams, so I do need him <laughs> to get 100 yards and a, and a touchdown or two. You know, that's for um, selfish reasons. I don't have any shares of Tony Pollard this year, but I wouldn't bank on that this week. I mean, this is one of the best defensive fronts Dallas will face all season, and um, it's, that's just the reality of it. But uh, you can't not play Tony Pollard, but um, I would I would maybe try to hit some home elsewhere. You know, it's, it, it might be a waiver wire week for you. <laughs> I'm banking on some short fields from the defense. Hopefully, hopefully they'll <laughs> come through go. for me. How, how does Dan Quinn scheme for this offense? I mean, it's again, it's it's awkward, right? It's it's uncomfortable to say like, well, they suck and they're terrible, right? I mean, <laughs> they're still an NFL team, and, right? You know, Garrett Wilson is amazing, and you know, Brees Hall is amazing, and Dalvin Cook is amazing, and so. I, you know, the Cowboys got home so often last week, but they did so only rushing four. I mean, you know, that's what it's about. I, I don't mean to just keep kind of, you know, banging the company line or anything, but sure. you don't have to do too much. You know, you, you have an insanely talented defense in your own right. And this is a real football cliche, but make them beat you. I mean, make them play hero ball and, and trust that you'll get home. Trust that you'll tip some passes and turn them into interceptions or turnovers or whatever the case may be. All you have to do is kind of trust yourself and, that should be enough. I mean, again, on paper, you're favored by nine and a half. And so make them have to do the inordinate, extra special, unbelievable, holy crap thing. And if they do and you lose, well, hey, they did a holy crap thing. And, and you know, people who do holy crap things deserve a lot of credit for that. But I think if they play this game, you know, 10 times, Dallas probably easily wins seven of them. But that's only 70%. And, you know, that may be a passing grade in school, but that's not what you want ultimately at the end of the day. R.J. Ochoa blogging the boys with us here in the press box on ESPN Central Texas. All right, R.J., before I let you go, the score of this game coming up Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I know everybody thinks 40 points is all the rage. I think that, you know, 
I, I don't know. I, I would not bet on the Cowboys as far as the line. I, that's just so many points in the NFL. Um, I would say something like 26, 17, you know, some, something like that. And, and I recognize that's coming close to the line. But um, I think that, you know, as talented as I believe, and a lot of people believe the Cowboys offense to be, this is a Jets defense that can turn some touchdowns into field goals. And so Brandon Aubrey might be the guy that you want to put on your fantasy team this week. He might walk on with 15 or so points. There you go. RJ Achilla blogging the boys. RJ, I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. And we'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great rest of the week. There he goes. RJ Achilla blogging the boys. Again, nine and a half points is a lot. It is, especially considering that that line started out as three. Now, that was obviously because Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback, but that shows you what Vegas thinks of the difference between Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and uh, Zach Wilson at quarterback. There's a night and day difference. Yeah, actually, it may, probably if it wasn't for how good the Jets' defense was, obviously this line would be even, even larger, even bigger, yeah. Oof. Like RJ said, the Jets do have a great defense. It's why they were able – one of the reasons why they were able to beat the Jets. Another one was because Josh Allen, when they could have won with a conservative game plan like the Cowboys did, mm-hmm. gifted them three turnovers, and they end up beating the Bills, which shocked me, especially after they lost Aaron Rodgers. But we will see. I think the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys handle them pretty easy. I think that Zach Wilson is going to be a turnover machine in this game, and the Cowboys are going to struggle a little bit on offense early, but they'll get some short fields. They'll get it going, and I think they'll win it going away. Zach Wilson's going to have nightmares about number 11 in his face, I'm afraid. Absolutely. You saw what they did to Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is a much better quarterback. Uh, absolutely, and he's also faster and more athletic, and he couldn't escape the pass rush. So No. I think, yeah, I think Zach Wilson is in for a terribly long day Sunday. Thanks to R.J. Achua joining us here on the Press Box on ESPN Central Texas.